And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. Staple self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to the Abbott and Costello show from 1948. Then Paul Freese stars in a terrific tale of escape from 1947. And by my side, well, not right exactly by my side, but close to my side, is my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Yeah, we don't want to be touching. No. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Uh, So I have cooties, and I'm well aware of that. I don't want to give those to you. Yeah, no, I wouldn't get that close. (laughs) Okay. So Lady Gaga Uh is in talks to star with Bradley Cooper in a Star Is Born reboot. Oh. Oh. That could be cool. Now, that's interesting. So Lady Gaga, this would be her biggest acting role yet. Yeah. Uh, She won the Golden Globe for her role on American Horror Story Hotel. Yeah. Uh, And Bradley Cooper will be making his directorial debut with this movie. Yes. Beyonce was originally cast. You heard uh, about this. With Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Clint was going to direct that. Exactly. Now, she bowed out. She had some scheduling conflicts with her latest tour. Right. Um, But this is actually the fourth version of this film that's been made. Right. There are three prior. There's Janet a, Gaynor was in one. That's the 1937 version. Yeah, I'm trying then to the think. 19, wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I can think of okay, Barbara 19, Streisand, of course. That's the seven, 1976 um, was Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Now, did Judy Garland do it or no? She did. Well, I'm okay. impressed. 1954 wow. right, was Judy Garland. There was one more person, right? Well, look, well what year are okay, we talking so, about? Okay, so 1937, you said it was Janet Gaynor. Yeah, Janet Gaynor. Um, and Friedrich March. Oh, Frederick March, yeah. Is it Frederick? Mm, yeah, it's Frederick. Okay. Uh-huh. 1954 was Judy Garland with James Mason. All right. And then the 1976 oh, version. Oh, so we had them all because now she's going right. to be the fourth version. Very exactly, good. Exactly, which I saw. Of course, I did not see the ones Darn, I impress myself sometimes. Yeah. You know? I, I understand. Is there any kind of an award I can win? Because I, you know. You you know what? It's good to impress people. As long as you impress yourself, you yeah. know, that's what's most it's, important. Yeah, it's not as good as winning an award, though. Really? We yeah. can pr- I'll give you We an can award. print out a, a certificate of some sort and build yeah. you a little Would statue. You next week, bring me something. Or trophy, yeah. rather. Yeah, I'll keep reminding you that you deserve awards. I just want some just kind of an award. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on that. Be nice, but okay. Okay, sure. All right. So that it? That's it? That's Lady it. Gaga? Lady I, Gaga, I would see Bradley that. Cooper. I think that would be really good. I'd see yeah, that. Yeah, she's uh, she's but, really neat. But A Star Is Born has like romance in it, so maybe I it wouldn't. It is wanna. very romantic. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't know, but Bradley Cooper is easy to look at. But I so. like Lady Gaga a lot, and I like, and of course I like Bradley Cooper, so that'd be good. All right, yeah. thanks, Lisa. Sure. Appreciate it. All right, it is time now for the conclusion to Abbott and Costello. We started this last uh, last show, and this is from April 21st, 1948. The boys open a marriage bureau. This stars Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Let's tune in to the conclusion now. Uh, this is a fine business you got me in, Abbott. I can't understand why we ain't got no customers coming in. I put an ad in the Valley Times this morning. How did the ad read? It says, man with bottle of gin would like to meet lady with bottle of olives. Object, martinis. <laughs> Not martinis, matrimony. Ho, 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 Abbott. 
Maybe we could find a husband for my cousin, Mary Bozzo. She had a very tragic life. Her first husband was hanged. Her second husband was hanged. Her third husband was hanged. And her fourth husband was hanged. And she wants to get married again? Yes, yeah, she's just getting the hang of it. <laughs> Abbott, maybe we could find a wife for me. Well, what kind of a girl would you want? She must have gorgeous blonde hair, a lovely figure, and a beautiful face and a million dollars. And a girl with all that would have to be nuts to marry you. And she can be nuts, too. <laughs> Hiya, fellas. How's the new matrimonial agency? Well, it's our band leader, Maddie Malnick. Well, I, I just dropped over to bring you some business. I have a little niece at home who's dying to marry Costello. Why does every girl want to marry me? Sometimes I wish I wasn't so young and beautiful and coy and charming. So debonair and so petite. Now, wait a minute, Costello. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <sighs> just hold on, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Don't go flying in there. Maddie's idea sounds like a good proposition. Uh, by the way, has your niece got any money, Maddie? Oh, sure. She inherited a very fat dowry from her mother. Uh, we don't care about her figure. Has she got any money? <laughs> How dare you ask such a question, Costello? She is a Malnick. I'll have you know that we Malnicks are a proud lot. You Malnicks are a vacant lot. <laughs> Now, Costello, take it easy. Uh, are you really serious, Maddie, about your niece wanting to marry Costello? Yes, I am. Last night, my little niece was sitting on the floor playing with her toys. And she looked up at me and said, That Lou Costello is the sweetest boy, and I'd like to marry him. Oh, now, isn't that cute? How old is she? Fifty-seven. <laughs> Look, Maddie, Costello doesn't want to get married, but we'll be glad to find a husband for your niece. That's wonderful, bud. She's right out in your waiting room. Shall I bring her in? You better wheel her in. <laughs> Point Sienna, will you step in here? <laughs> here she comes on the run. She doesn't run very good. Maybe she needs a grease job. Bye, <laughs> right, Costello. Uh, how do you uh, how do you do, Miss? Uh, 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 the full name is Point Sienna Pigeon Hyphen Pigeon. What's what's the hyphen for? That's for the pigeon to sit on. <laughs> Uh, Miss Pigeon, I'm sure that we can find you an ideal husband. Now, if you'll just leave a hundred dollars deposit and, um, of course, one of your pictures. Oh, I'm afraid I haven't any pictures of myself. I did have some taken, but the photographer, uh, didn't develop the negative. He was probably afraid to go in a dark room with them alone. <laughs> uh, Miss Pigeon, have you ever been married before? Yes. My first husband snored, so I got a divorce. Now he pays me $500 a week alimony. Just because he snores? Yes. That guy's really paying through the nose. <laughs> Are you going steady with uh, anyone right now? Yes, I am. But he's a businessman and he's always away on trips. Now, Mr. Costello, what would you do if you were in my place? Oh, I don't know. Let's go over to your place and find out. Why, uh, <laughs> <Quiet>, Costello... <laughs> Miss Pigeon, are you planning on marrying this man? I don't think so. I've got a hunch that he's growing tired of me. What makes you think that? He hasn't been to see me in over ten years. <laughs> your troubles are over, Miss Pigeon. We'll find you a husband. Oh. Just, uh, just give us your check for a thousand dollars for our fee and sign this contract. Uh, what contract? Now, I can't see so good. Broke my glasses before I left the house this morning. Well, how could you see to find your way to this office? She must have come in on the rims. <laughs> Quiet, Costello, quiet. This woman is a customer. Let me handle her. And now, Miss Pigeon, uh, if you'll come to my house uh, 
Uh, eight o'clock this evening, we'll say. I'll show you a happy family. Myself, my wife, and our little boy. Oh, this is so thrilling. I'll be there at eight o'clock. Abbott, why did you tell that woman you had a little boy? You haven't got a little boy. Well, Costello, we've got to put this deal over. I'll have a little boy by eight o'clock tonight. Don't worry. Abbott, now I'm convinced that does does everything. <laughs> scheme. Even with short pants and bobby socks, Costello doesn't look like a five-year-old boy. I don't? No, you look like a three-year-old moron. <laughs> now, remember, Costello, I'm going to call you Junior, and you're supposed to be a schoolboy. I am a schoolboy, Abbott. For 20 years, I've been going to school studying reading, writing, and arithmetic, and my mother is proud to say that I'm the only schoolboy that can't read, can't write, and can't count. Why is she proud? No other mother can make that statement. Now, there's Miss Pidger now. Remember, remember, Costello, you're our son, Junior. Now, you answer the door, and, and Mrs. Abbott and I will go into the kitchen. Good evening, little boy. I'm Miss Pigeon. Hello, Miss Pigeon. I'm Junior. Pull up a clothesline and sit down. <laughs> Spread your feathers. Oh, my. What a quaint little fellow. Just love little boys like you. I wish I had 14 little boys, and I wish they were all just like you. You want 14 little boys just like me? Yes. Let me smell your breath. <laughs> oh, my, how cute. Now, tell me, little man, where are your father and mother? They're out in the kitchen passing the time. Passing the time? They're throwing the clock at each other. <laughs> You mean they fight? Ah, uh, you should have heard them yesterday. My mother was trying to stuff something in the incinerator, and she had an awful struggle, but she couldn't do it. But why didn't your father help her? He's what she was trying to stuff in the incinerator. Yeah. Quite a kid, hey? And Mr. Abbott told me that they were such a happily married couple. Oh, but tell me, little man, is that Mrs. Abbott, uh, I, I mean, your mother's picture over there on the mantel? Uh-huh, that's her. My, that's a lovely upsweep hairdo. My father gave her that. Now, how could your father give her an upsweep hairdo? He hit him over the head with a broom. <laughs> Very interesting. Tell me, is Mr. Abbott, I mean your father, good to your mother? Oh, sure. He's always buying her presents. Oh. Only this morning he bought my mama a beautiful present, a nice new carving knife. Oh, does your mother know he bought her the carving knife? Oh, no. She don't even know he's going to cut her throat. <laughs> oh, thank you, young man. You've saved me a thousand dollars. Goodbye. Well, come on. Well, what happened? What happened? Wait, wait, where's Miss Pigeon Pigeon? The Pigeon Pigeon just flew the coop coop. <laughs> Costello, didn't you tell her that we were a very happy family? I couldn't have it. I told her the truth. Costello, why do you do these things? Every time I have a chance to swindle somebody out of money, you always gum up the works. Why? Why do you continually do these things to me? Oh, I'm a bad boy! And 
And here are Abbott and Costello with the final word. Well, Costello, we've done a lot of joking about marriage. And I want you to tell the audience that you know that marriage is a serious thing. Are you kidding? Anybody that's married knows that. Uh, <laughs> Costello, I don't believe you even know what a, it takes to make a marriage. Oh, sure I do. It takes two people to make a marriage. That's right. A single girl and an anxious mother. Oh, good night. Good night. Wednesday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Charles Vanda and featuring Susan Miller and Maddie Malnick's orchestra. This is Michael Roy saying goodbye until this same time next Wednesday. Be sure to stay tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station. That's the Abbott and Costello show. April 21st, 1948, The Boys Open a Marriage Bureau, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, also in the cast. Viola Vaughn, Verna Felton, Martha Wentworth, and Harry Brown is heard on ABC. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the... Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to hollywood 360 Radio. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back to the show. I'm Carl Amari. To my right, Lisa Wolf, and our executive producers to my left, Mike Costella. Thank you all for uh, being part of this team. It's a lot of fun doing this show with you guys. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Before we tune into Escape, I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a podcast. Now, um, I I don't listen to podcasts, but I do listen to our podcast. Well, I know you like to hear yourself, yeah. so it's important. Right. No, I like I like to listen to the podcast, you know, because here's the thing. I'm one of these kind of people that can only do one thing at a time. You know I, this about yes, me. Yes, I've noticed I that. don't, when I'm like on a rant or on a roll here... And Lisa says something or Mike says something. I just don't hear you guys. I've noticed you know? that. And it's not, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. No, of course not. My brain cannot do two things at once. Yes, you know, I, it's like I a know. train that left the train station. Yes. It's like choo-chooing down the yeah, train. Like we all have limitations. You, know? you just have a few extra. And I So I like to go back and listen to the podcast and hear how great you guys are mm-hmm. on the show. Because, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that. So that's I like I like our podcast. Of course. And if and folks, if you want to hear our podcast, just go to Hollywood360radio.com because I'm sure that you don't hear the show all four hours every week. Things happen, life gets in the way. So we have a podcast for you. And also at the website, 
There's uh, there's a button to click to get 10 free classic radio shows. You don't want to miss that. And also there's millions of pictures of Lisa. Plus there's a store with tons and tons of classic radio shows. And we're, our schedule is posted our there as well. And we're always adding more classic radio shows that you can download on uh, digital download or buy the CD versions. So check it out, Hollywood360radio.com. Time now for Escape. Escape premiered. In 1947, and was one of radio's best anthology series, promising and delivering stories of high-quality mystery, drama, and intrigue. Escape offered listeners just that, an escape from life's everyday grind, freeing you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Like its first cousin, Suspense, Escape stories involved protagonists in life-or-death situations and featured radio's finest writers, directors, producers, and actors. It enjoyed an eight-year radio run, bowing out in 1954. We have an episode of Escape for you now. It's called The Fourth Man. This stars Paul Fries. It's from August 18, 1947. Part one now of Escape. Escape. Escape tonight to a raft in the South Pacific. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations presents Escape, produced and directed by William N. Robeson. This, the last of the summer series, is The Fourth Man by John Russell, Numea in the South Pacific. To a generation of French criminals, a word to be uttered in the same terrified breath with Devil's Island. The penal colony at Noumea, where the cutthroats, garroters, and sadists from the dregs of French society were sent to a living death. Tonight we invite you to escape from Noumea in John Russell's The Fourth Man. The raft stood to open sea. A mat of pandanus leaves served for its sail and a paddle of wood for its helm. It was woven of reeds and bamboo sticks lashed upon triple rows of bladders. And it carried four men. Three of them sat huddled together at the far end. Their bodies were blackened with dried blood and the hair upon them was long and matted. They wore only the rags of blue convicts' uniforms. On wrist and ankle, they carried their mark. The dark and wrinkled stain of the manacles. There was Dubose, doctor, man of the world, murderer. Friends, the thing is done. And Fenneru, forger, ladies' man, weakling, coward. Yes, we've escaped. And the one known as the parrot, thief and cutthroat. So far, so good. (laughs) And by the way of celebration, gentlemen, may I offer you... Cigarettes? Cigarettes? Oh. <laughs> Doctor, you're a marvel, a magician. Look at them. White and fresh as though they just came from the package. How did you do it? Oh, every six months there are about 75 escapes from Noumea. And not more than one succeeds. Ours would be that one I knew. So, three weeks ago, I bribed the night guard for these very cigarettes. <laughs> so that we might sit here, my friends, as we are doing, and celebrate. I want a light. A light for the pet. <laughs> our doctor's a wonder. He thinks of everything. He gives us cigarettes, matches, and our freedom. Wait till you've got your two feet on a pavement again. That'll be the time to sound off about freedom. <sighs> to wear starched collars again. To stroll with a girl. 
clean and fresh from her bath. Down the Place de la Concorde, the Rue de Rivoli. Suppose we get a storm. It's not the season of storms. Just the same. Suppose we get a storm. Okay, my friend. <laughs> you must not be so impatient. Remember, we were convicts back there, festering in oblivion. Now we are men raised from the dead. Suppose we get a storm. Uh, you've got a gift of speech, Doctor. But where's the ship that was going to meet us here? This is the day as agreed. It will meet us. The wind will blow us to China if we keep on. We can't lie any closer to shore. There's a government launch at Torian. And I doubt if the native trackers have given us up. <laughs> Careful, Parrot. The natives will eat you yet. <laughs> I've heard about that. Is it true, Doctor, that they'll keep all the runaways they can capture to fatten on? Oh, they prefer the reward still. I I doubt if they've entirely lost the habit of cannibalism. <laughs> piece by piece, Parrot. First they'll sample you. Then they'll make a stew out of your brains. Oh, they won't miss a thing. Shut up, Finneru. The filthy brutes. Oh, I almost forgot. We have one of them with us. The fourth man was steering the raft. He sat crouched in the stern, his body glistening with spray. His huge dark hands held the steering paddle. He was motionless, like an idol, his eyes fixed on the course ahead. The fourth man on the raft. You are looking at a Canuck, my friends. You will see nothing superior. No line of beauty to redeem the low angle of the forehead, the knobby joints of the body. Nature has stamped him with the mark of inferiority, and he has set the final seal himself with that twist of bark about his middle, that prong of pig ivory through his nose. Yes, but nonetheless, he's a man, and there is a price on our heads. He could be taking us where he likes. Calm yourself, Fenneru. <laughs> this is a very simple animal, an infant, really. Does that mean he couldn't double-cross us? It does. He is bound by his duty. I made my bargain with his chief up the river, and this one is sent to deliver us on board our ship. That's the only interest he has in us. And he'll do it? He will. That is the nature of the native. No, I don't trust him, not for a minute. The brute. The animal. You! It's you I'm talking about! You dirty brute! Save your breath, Parrot. He speaks no language. Only a few noises, a few signs. I don't feel right on the same raft with that. Well... Burn yourselves up in the sun if you like, but me. I'm going to crawl under a mat and get some sleep. Yes, we should all sleep a little, conserve ourselves. And when we awake, our ship will be here. Our saucy little topsail schooner, a mass standing out against the sky, and we'll be on our way to France. Yes, sleep, my friends. The two younger convicts dozed under the heat of the day, but not the doctor. He stood once again to sweep the skyline under his shaded hand. His plan had been so careful, so precise. He had counted absolutely on meeting the ship 
a small schooner, one of those flitting half-piratical traders of the Copra Islands that can be hired, like cabs in a dark street, for any sinister enterprise. And there was no ship. And there was no crossroads where one might sit and wait. And that's the first portion of Escape with the fourth man starring Paul Frees. We'll get back to it after these words. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the... Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, now, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to the fourth man starring Paul Freese on Escape. Uh, good morning, Doctor. It's afternoon, Fenerul. Oh, yes, so it is. I slept like a corpse. Hey, where's the ship, Doctor? It was going to be here when we woke up. It will be. Oh, I'm thirsty. I'm dying with thirst. So we all, Fenerul. Where's the flask? I'm roasted in the sun. You'll just have to roast some more. This crew is put on rations. What are you talking about? Where's that water? I have it here. So you have. Do you think it's yours? No. It's ours, Parrot. I want a drink, Doctor. Think a little, Parrot. We have to guard our supplies like reasonable men. We don't know how long we may be floating here. Oh, so that's how you talk now. You don't know how long. But you were sure enough when we started. I'm still sure. The ship will come. She cannot stay for us in one spot. She'll be cruising to and fro until she intercepts us. And we must wait. Huh, that's good. Wait. And in the meantime, what? Fry here in this heat? Our tongues hanging out while you deal us out water drop by drop? Perhaps. No. A man doesn't live who can feed me with a spoon. Unless you would die very speedily, we must guard our water... We can only do our best with what we have. All right, Doctor. Do your best. Give me a drink. You you may have your share, of course. But be warned. When it's gone, don't come to us, to Fenero and me. Yes, what's fair is fair. My drink. Very well. Oh, a thimbleful. One thimble. This way we should have enough for three days, maybe more, with equal shares among the three of us. <laughs> That's right. There are only three of us. You, uh, 
You were thinking of him, Fenerol. Of our pilot? He looks somewhat like us, doesn't he? But his body has never known clothes. His feet, shoes. His heart has never known the swelling that comes with feelings of love or beauty. His mind has never known a single thought. <laughs> Look at us three, gentlemen. You, Fenero, a forger. You, Parrot, a thief. And I, Dr. Dubose, of Paris and Marseille, a murderer. And yet, we are civilized men. And this is a savage animal. And our provisions are for civilized men only. The three men awoke to the second day on the raft. They looked and saw the far round horizon and the empty desert of the sea and their own long shadows that slipped slowly before them over its smooth, slow heaving. The land had sunk away from them in the night. The trap had been sprung. As the savage sun kindled upon them with the power of a burning glass, a calm fell, an absolute calm. The air hung, weighted. The sea heaved and fell in polished undulations. And the sun shone, driving in under their eyelids like white-hot splinters. They crawled to the shelter of their mats, gasping, shriveling. And the water, the world of water, was slack and thick as oil. Oh, oh how lonely it is. Dr. DuBose. Yes, Parrot? Look around you. What do you mean? Go on, look around. What do you see? I see water, Parrot, and the horizon. What? Nothing else. Oh, don't you see a ship? A saucy little schooner? Those were your words. Well, where is it? Why don't you see it? It will come. Uh, will it comfort us to be dead when it comes? You, you say that you count on your friends, but suppose they leave you to rot here. Leave Parrot and me to rot here. That would be a joke, eh, Doctor? To wait for a ship that will never come? It will come. My friends will not fail me. Why? How do you know? How can you be so sure? There's a safety vault in Paris full of papers to be opened at my death. Those papers contain confessions. Now, gentlemen, my friends will not fail me. That parrot? Yeah. A moment ago, you asked me what I saw. Well? There was something I neglected. What's that? I see a Canuck on this raft with us. He does not join us. He does not look at us. He sits on his heels in the way of the native, with his arms hugging his knees. He sits at the stern, motionless under the shattering sun, gazing out into, into vacancy. Whenever I raise my eyes, I see nothing else. Only this Kanak. He, he seems to be enjoying himself quite well. I was thinking so myself. The cannibal. The savage. He does not seem to suffer. What's going on in his brain? What does he dream of there? He looks as though he hates us. A dirty rat. Maybe, maybe he's waiting for us to die. Maybe he's waiting for the reward. At least he wouldn't starve on the way home. He could deliver us piece by piece. 
How does he do it, Doctor? Hasn't he any feeling? I've been wondering. It, it may be that his fibers are tougher. His nerves... But we've are... had water, and he hasn't. And yet, see his skin. It's moist and fresh. And his belly, fat as a football. Don't tell me this savage is thirsty. Is there any way he could steal our supplies? Certainly not. Suppose he has his own supplies, hidden. What? We'll see. Search the rat. Come on, we'll learn his secret. Here, look under the mat. Turn it apart. Oh, push him aside. Anything there? No. Gentlemen, no. gentlemen. We were mistaken. He has nothing hidden. You're wrong about him, Doctor. He can. You say he has no understanding. There's one thing he can understand. Hey! Parrot, now so much. That's enough. There's come. Uh, that'll teach you. Not so chipper now, are you? Not so happy with your luck. That'll make you feel... Well, Parrot, you feel better now, don't you? Superior. Come back, my friends. Come back under the mats. The glare of the sun is not so bad there. Oh, idiots. What's the matter with our parrot now? Idiots. Why do we look and look? The schooner can't help us now. If we're becalmed, then they are too. Doctor, is that true? Yes. We must hope for a breeze first. Well, then why didn't you tell us we trust you? Why do you keep on playing out the farce? You are wise, Doctor. You are very wise. Put down the knife, Parrot. You know things we don't. And you keep them to yourself. All right. But be careful. If you think you'll use your wisdom to get the best of us, be careful, Doctor. Because I still have the knife. And so the days dragged by. The second, the third. And now it was the fourth day. And still there was no breeze. And still there was no ship. Oh, Doctor. Yes? Uh, what do you... What do you stare at? At him. At him, the native. The Kanak. Why? Look at him. And look at us. We are dying. Our powers are ebbing. And him... Naked, wild, brutish. He has yet to give the slightest sign of complaint or weakness. Doctor, is this a man or a fiend? A man. It is a man. A miracle. It is a man and a very poor and wretched example of a man. You'll find no lower type anywhere. Look at his cranial angle. The high ears. The heavy bones of his skull. Why, he, he's scarcely above an ape. And what? He has a secret. A secret? But we see him. Every move he makes, every minute. What chance has he for a secret? Absurd. Here are we three children of the century. Products of civilization. 
And here is this savage who belongs before the Stone Age. Is he to win this struggle? <laughs> Absurd. What kind of secret? I can't say. Perhaps some method of breathing. Some strange posture he uses to cheat the sensations of the body. Such things are known among primitive peoples. Known and jealously guarded. Like the properties of certain drugs. The uses of hypnotism. Who knows? We can know. We can find out. Would you ask him? Useless. He would not tell. Why should he? We scorn him. We give him no share with us. We abuse him. And so he falls back upon his own expedients. They are the means by which he has survived from the depth of time. By which he may yet survive when all our wisdom is dust. There are a number of ways of learning secrets. I know them all. It would be useless. How could he stand any torture you might invent? You saw how he behaved before? No, no, that's not the way. Oh, listen to my way. I'm tired of all this talk. You say he's a man. All right, then he has blood in his veins. At least we could drink. No, it would be too hot. It would be salt. Well, kill him then and throw him over the side. Let's be rid of the thing. We gain nothing. Then what do you want? I want to beat him. That's what I want. To beat him at the game. For our own sakes, for our racial pride, we must. To outlast him. To prove ourselves his masters. Watch him. Watch him closely, my friends. Watch. I'll watch all right, my good doctor. I'm not sleeping anymore. And leave you alone with that bottle. The bottle. The bottle. I've been meaning to discuss our rations with you. Have you? We're running very short. I'm afraid we must cut down again. And what are we cut to? Half a thimbleful. No. We must keep our wits. I say no. All right. Then we'll put it to a vote. You say no. I say yes. Fenero. Yes. Yes, anything, but give me mine now. Then it's half a thimbleful for Monsieur Fenero. Oh. Your share, Fenero. Uh. More. More, I'll die. Give me more. No more today. You must. You must. Doctor. No more today. Look. A ship. A ship. No, at last. Where? Where is it? I don't see any ship. It's a trick. Look, Fenero. He has the bottle. You dirty thief. Look at him. You killed him with that oar. What about the bottle? Yes, there's some left. You caught him just in time. And you caught the bottle just in time. It seems I did. There is no ship. There will be no ship. We are done. Because of you and your dirty promises that brought us here. Doctor. Liar. Fool. Don't come any closer. Unless you want this flask broken over your head. No. Oh, I wouldn't want that. Why, just think, Parrot. 
Why should you and I fight? We can see this trouble through and win, yet this calm can't last forever. Besides, there will be only two of us to divide the water now. Yes, that's true, isn't it? Fellow who kindly leaves us his share, an inheritance. All right, I'll take mine now. My share, right now, if you please. Later, we'll see. So be it. Your share. <clears throat> Many thanks. And now, Fenerul's share. To me, please. As you say. <clears throat> and now, another, uh, another good doctor. Three. That's enough, Parrot. Uh, no, Doctor. It's not enough. Now I'll take the rest. Parrot! Stop my arm! I'll kill you if you don't let go. Thank you. You see, I have manners, haven't I? And I have wisdom, too. Because... I fooled a very wise man. I toast you, Doctor. The best man wins. That was a bright idea of yours. The best... <laughs> so... So the best man wins, eh, Bert? <laughs> You forgot I'm a doctor, didn't you? You you forgot that a man cannot go without water for four days, then drink his fill and live through it, huh? <laughs> go on, parrot. Gasp out your worthless life <laughs> while I laugh. Yes, the best man always wins, parrot. The best man... <laughs> so... Best man wins, yes, Doctor. You forgot my knife, didn't you? Forgot me lying at your feet. Gave me up for dead, didn't you? But now it is I, Veneru, who will outlast the two of you. Yes, my good Doctor. The best man always wins. Veneru! You fool! The water! It's running out! Hey! Long boat's back, sir. All right, send Marteau in. He's right here, sir. 
Bad luck, sir. The raft was here all the time, not ten miles away from us. Ah, that calm. Well, where are they, the passengers? Ah, we're too late. They're all dead. All dead, huh? Yes. One stabbed to death, another skull crushed, the other fried by the sun. They're all dead. Well, uh, all the better. Of course, there's nothing to feed. Yeah, but how are you going to... Ah, hogsheads, my friend. The hogsheads in the afterhold. Fill them nicely with brine, and <laughs> there we are. Well, I don't understand. Oh, you're dull, Marto, very dull. The gentleman's passage is all paid. Before we left Sydney, I contracted to bring back three escaped convicts. <laughs> I'll bring them back, pickled. So if you'll go back, Marto, and bring them aboard for the trip, I'll be much obliged. Very well, sir. Oh, there's a fourth man on the raft, Captain. A Kanak. Still alive. What do we do with him? A Kanak? <laughs> no word in my contract about any Kanak. Leave him there. He's only a savage. And so, Dr. DuBose and Fenneru and the parrot went aboard for the long trip to their beloved Paris. Their bodies pitching and rolling gently in the huge vats of brine. On the raft, the fourth man raised his head slightly as a wind freshened from the west. He watched until the schooner turned, shaping away for Australia and disappeared over the rim of the horizon. Then, he spread his sail of pandanus leaves and headed his raft eastward, back toward New Caledonia, back toward home. Feeling somewhat dry after his exertion, the native plucked a hollow reed at random from the rushes on his raft. Slowly, lazily, he stretched himself at full length in his accustomed place at the stern. He thrust the reed down deep, into one of the bladders underneath the raft and slowly drank his fill of sweet water. He had a dozen such storage bladders remaining, built into the floats at intervals above the waterline, quite enough to last him safely home again. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. The Fourth Man by John Russell was adapted for radio by Irving Ravitch, with Paul Fries as Dr. DuBose, Joe Kearns as Fenneru, and Nestor Piva as Parrot. Bill Johnstone narrated. The special musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Fewer. Escape has been presented by the Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated station. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Escape with the Fourth Man, a good show starring Paul Fries, also in the cast, Joseph Kearns and William Johnstone. William Johnstone, Lisa, was the second actor to portray Lamont Cranston, alias The Shadow. Orson Welles was radio's first Lamont Cranston. And then William Johnstone, then Brett Morrison and some other actors. As heard on Escape from August 18, 1947, that's the fourth man. It's heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the... Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. 
This dearie is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, Lisa, on our next program, we're going to tune in to This Is Your FBI, The Milton Berle Show, Frontier Gentlemen, The Halls of Ivy, The Life of Riley, and Inner Sanctum Mysteries. We give our listeners six classic radio shows every week here on Hollywood 360. Not shabby. Not too shabby. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. How's the dimples over there? Pretty uh, good? They're, they're doing Lisa really well. Lisa smiles a lot, and so her dimples get deeper and deeper You know, and I have to sort of offset your grimace, so yeah. it kind of works out that way. Right, I'm the crabby one, and you're the smiley so one. So now we sort of end up, you know, right. in the middle. That's good. Yep. That's good. Our listeners get a little of, uh, of everything there. Yeah, next week we have a, a terrific lineup, a great... Uh, I love Inner Sanctum because I like the scary shows, and when I listen back to the show on the podcast, and I'm listening to Inner Sanctum or Lights Out or shows like that, I, I, I like to do it in bed, you know, with the covers up real close. You know? Yeah, I don't need to fit picture that. Well, you don't want to picture it. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Costella, engineer Sam Wolf, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.